Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Mr. Carl Subban. Carl is an educator and a motivator, a retired principal from the Toronto District School Board, and the current principal of the private athletic school Everest Academy in Vaughan. But he is likely best known as the father of five accomplished children, of which his three boys, PK, Malcolm, and Jordan, have all made it to the National Hockey League. How did he do it? Well, he addressed this question in his best-selling memoir, How We Did It, The Subban Plan for Success in Hockey, School, and Life. In his over 30 years of coaching, teaching, and parenting, Carl has developed his gift of inspiring others, and he has dedicated his life to helping young people grow to realize their unlimited potential, to be better at what they do, and to be better people. Welcome, Carl Subban, to Toronto Legends. I offer you a hearty wagwan, and thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm here at uh, Everest and, uh, you know, I'm fine. You know, I'm every day, five days a week, I get up and I'm able to do something that I love to do. That is uh, working with young people and working with uh, staff to inspire them to reach their full potential. Isn't that fantastic? It is fantastic. And I would like to tell, uh, tell us all about your current involvement with the Everest Academy. What is it and how did you get involved? Well, Everest uh, Academy is a private school uh, servicing uh, student athletes uh, and their families. Uh, This school uh, right now, we're grades uh, four uh, to OAC. Uh, We have uh, the majority of our students uh, play hockey and lacrosse and and baseball. And we do have uh, uh, some figure skaters too. Uh, but we have students who are disciplined, they're dedicated, they have this big dream, um, you know, uh, to uh, accomplish. And I believe that uh, uh, this school, because you know what, it, it, is, it sort of speaks to my life and my family's life. Because sports and education work together to help us, Carl and his children, to fulfill our potential. And, and so it was a natural fit for me to come to the school and work because, uh, as I tell the students here, they come to school every day to work hard, to be a better person first, a better student, and a better athlete. Wow. What better way to get set them up for success, not only for each day, but for life. <laughs> it's a perfect fit with your philosophies. Now, is your expectation, students that go to your academy, are they kind of intending to go on to a career in sports or is this more a way life lessons from sports that we can apply to whatever they do? Well, you know, the staff, we all see it this way, that we're setting them up for life. Uh, but students are not looking that far ahead. Some of them, but a lot of them have this dream now uh, and, and goals, uh, first of all, to, to do their very best academically because uh, whatever uh, dream or goal they have, uh, for their sport, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to fulfill it or reach those dreams and, and goals if you're not doing well like, academically. But we know students, uh, you know, we have students who have been drafted to the 
um, OHL to the Ontario Hockey League. We have students who have uh, graduated into NCAA schools. Um, you know, we have students all over the map, but every one of the young person who is in this school have some important dreams and goals, and that's why they're here. And, and I'd like to say that our staff, um, you know, we work every day to inspire our young people. That's, that is so critical. We can push them, uh, but we know what works over time. Uh, is 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 uh, inspiring them, and I'm going to tell you this. I know you have some more question, but I always because I get the question all the time. Carl, did you and Maria push your kids to skate? And I said, no. You know what? We pushed them more in the baby carriage than we <laughs> than we did to skate. We learned how to inspire them. That that's what works in the, over time. That is the role of a good parent. Carl, if I may, let's go all the way back to the beginning. You are not yes. originally from Toronto. In fact, you're not originally from Canada. Please tell us where you were born and about your upbringing. But if you, when you read my story, you'd think I was born here, right? <laughs> you are a man of the world. Well, you know what? Um, uh, yeah, you know, I was born in Jamaica, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the parish of Clarendon okay. and Portland Cottage. You know, I grew up uh, knowing my great-grandparents, grandparents. And you remember in those days, like, the entire community, uh, you know, their parent, you know, they, they were part of the parenting team. It, 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 you know, that's where that, that quote came from. It, it takes a village to raise our children. Yes. And in those days, the village did. But that's where I was born and raised. I came to Canada when I, the, the summer I turned 12, but I, you hear me, when you hear me speak, I speak a lot about dreams. And I had this big dream at the time, uh, our growing up in Jamaica, to play cricket for the West Indies. Yes. Because uh, uh, cricket uh, there is like hockey here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Sobers, uh, the great uh, West uh, player on the West, Indi- West Indies team, uh, was the Wayne Gretzky of, of, of hockey here. Yes. And I wanted to be Gary Sobers. Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> And you, you, you moved from Jamaica directly to Sudbury? Sudbury, Ontario. Do you um, remember never, what month you moved? Oh, yeah. Uh, we came around the 1st of June. I was still 11. My birthday is July 9th. Uh, so when I walked off the plane, I was 11. And I, when I walked into College Street Public School, I was 12. <laughs> Now, June, you didn't get the full effect of Sudbury, but please tell us, what was the culture shock getting off your plane from Jamaica and getting off on your 12th birthday into Sudbury? Well, uh, listen, I have a story for that, too. Please. Um, I remember sometime in August, sitting in our upstairs apartment, the Martins were the landlord. You can Google it right now. 293 Peter Street. The house is there. Same house. 293 Peter Street. Uh, Peter Street is now Mountain Street, right? Okay. I remember one day sitting out, sitting at the window, looking down outside. And I said to mom and dad, I'm never going out there. They go, why? I said, it doesn't look like Jamaica. They didn't know what to say. Another day came. uh, I looked outside and I saw kids and none of them looked like me. Mm-hmm. I turned to mom and dad. I said, I'm never, ever going out there because the kids don't look like me. You can yeah. understand. Another day I heard them speaking. I'm sitting at the window. 
I turned to mom and dad. What are they saying? They said, we don't know either, but they're speaking a language <laughs> called French. I said, for sure. But you know what? I had to go to school. Yes. I, I had to leave my comfort zone. And I remember Mr. Kangas, my first teacher. I wrote about him in my book. Okay. Teachers do make a difference. So true. I wrote about Mr. Kangas in my book because he made me feel welcome. Uh, he gave me a sense of belonging, helped me help to establish a sense of community for me. Mr. Mr. Kangas made, uh, you know, and so, and then hockey came, you know, around uh, winter came early. And you know what those kids did one day? Because I still didn't feel right. Okay. I still didn't feel right. One day, they invited me to play hockey with them. And I tell this story because the kids could have turned on me, turned their backs to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't look like them, speak like them, or even held the hockey stick the way they did. Mm-hmm. But they invited Carl Subban to play with them. Wow, but- that changed my life. Total power. Oh. Do you remember the first time you saw snow? And what was your, do you remember your reaction? Well, let me go back a bit. In Jamaica, remember, we did not have the internet. There's no internet, no Google, no TV. We did watch TV at the community center, only cricket. Okay. And we didn't have the resources that kids have today. Uh, Kids, doesn't matter where they're from, they have the world on their fingertips or at their fingertips. I never had that. I didn't know what snow was. I didn't know snow was like the, the, the cone I used to eat when they used to shave the ice and make. I didn't know that was snow. I didn't know. I had no idea. But you know what? It wasn't long before I knew what it felt like. Walking, it was cold. Yes. It was cold. But, but you know what? Um, I, I just remember walking to school. I remember crying. But what I remember most is what those kids and Peter Street did to Carl Subban. You're speaking to me today because of those kids on Peter Street. That, Inclusivity. That kindness. Oh, that kindness. When we talk about in, in, inclusion and so on, those kids were way before their time. Fabulous. Now, Carl, you earned your Bachelor of Education degree from Lakehead University in Thunder Bay. Yes. And in fact, you played basketball you were the fifth leading scorer in the university's history. Was basketball something you had already been involved in? Because you talked about your love of cricket. How did you get into basketball? Well, you know, there's, uh, it, it was funny that my life uh, has developed through the dreams I've had. So it was cricket in Jamaica. And then when I came here, it was hockey, really. I wanted to be Ken Dryden. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but uh, no one said to me, I'm glad they didn't. I would have been too embarrassed. <laughs> Carl, you're not going to play in the NHL and be Ken Dryden much Montreal today. It's okay. So I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing when I came down to visit my grandmother from Sudbury here in Toronto. And wow, I fell in love with the sport. And I worked hard at it. And, and, and then this dream sort of took a hold of me. And brought me to Lakehead. And, uh, yeah, I had this dream to play in the, play in the NBA. and uh, But I, obviously I didn't make the NBA and, and uh, five successful years. But while at Lakehead University, uh, I found my, my passion. I heard my calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and awakened the sleeping giant in me. How is that? That is a good one. Now, now, you're not the only athlete in the marriage. 
Your wife, Maria, she had moved, if I'm correct, to Hamilton from, from the British overseas territory of Montserrat. And she was a track and field athlete. So both yeah. of you had an athletic background. <laughs> yeah, Maria, listen, I, I mean, uh, yeah, she uh, went to uh, Bathurst, Bathurst, Bathurst Heights. Okay. I believe that's the name of the school. When, uh, tr- when it was still going and track was probably their number one sport. And she was coached by some prominent people and ran with and trained with some prominent athletes. And then, you know, sort of uh, she wasn't able to to fulfill that dream. And uh, like some children are not able to do the things they want to do. And uh, however, um, she passed on some of that genes to her children. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's we're going to get to that for sure. Yeah. Carl, your career, you're obviously still in a, a, let's call it a second career, but your initial iteration was as a school principal in the Toronto District School Board. You were known as a strict disciplinarian, but with a big laugh and a warm smile. What schools were you at, Carl? I worked at a number of schools. I started out at um, Cordella Junior Public School. Then I I went to... um, Dennis Avenue from there, I believe I went to Rockcliffe, Roseland, but, uh, and a number of others. But the one school where um, I always go back to is uh, Brookview Middle School in Jane Finch. I always okay. said that that's where I attended uh, the University for Education. And there I also received my master's and doctorate in education. Fantastic. How is that? Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and I don't want to take any of the shine off you. I'm going to digress for one second to give a shout out to my mother, Dr. Sheila Applebaum, like yourself, well-educated. She had an excellent career with TDSB. She was more in adult ESL. So she was over at Calc at Broadview and Danforth and Bickford near Christie Pitts. But she also was a a lifelong educator, just as yourself. Now take us, Carl. You're now in Sudbury. You finished school. How do you make the transition to Toronto? Well, you know, yeah, so from high school, I went to Lakehead uh, to play basketball because why Lakehead? Well, the one of one, one, there's a teacher from uh, Sudbury Secondary. He was also a basketball coach. He applied for the job at Lakehead University and uh, uh, he was successful. Um, I almost went to Prince Edward Island, PEI. Uh, There was a man there by the name of George George Berger who had recruited me. But because Mr. Punch was my high school teacher and coach, I had to, I, I, I went to uh, Lakehead. And there I played basketball and discovered, uh, I was a student athlete and discovered uh, my relationship with children and that I love working with them. They love working with me. And uh, I became an educator. And from there, at the time when I graduated, teaching jobs were few and far between. Uh, I mean, I don't think I had a job in Thunder Bay or Sudbury, but I felt that in Southern Ontario, there would be a better opportunity. There would be better opportunities there for me. So mm-hmm. I landed here in Toronto, in the Toronto area. And were all of your kids born in, I believe you were in the Rexdale neighborhood. Yes, we, uh, we were born. Uh, yeah. Well, PK and, and the, the two daughters were born in, in Brampton and uh, the Malcolm and Jordan were born. Brought, were born in the uh, in Rexdale, but that's where they grew up. You know, I could say that that was our family home. 
that had that home had the fruit trees, uh, mm-hmm. that home had the backyard rinks, and that home had all the holes in the walls because of slab shots and and, and body checks. Well, I was going to ask you about that. There's all <clears throat> kinds of lore with hockey dads about the the washer yeah. dryer being dented in the basement, and so you had that too, obviously. Yes. Where, where did you have any famous? places in Rexdale that you remember like hanging out like Woodbine Mall the Fantasy Fair I don't know if you're a racetrack guy what were your memories of, of that Rexdale area yeah my well basically you know uh I loved our neighborhood uh their uh Humberwood neighborhood there's a great school there um it was a great place to raise our family I remember but uh, I was addicted to hockey you could say it was an addiction as uh you know I watched it I thought about it, uh, and probably hockey was watching me too. Probably, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, and and so I I hung out at the skating rinks, it was Albion Arena, uh, Pine Point Arena. Uh, I think uh, obviously I'd go to malls, but just to shop, um, you know. And 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 it was like our lives revolved around education and sports. So. So those were the places that um, that touched us and we touched. Now, something very interesting about you is your your the the team you enjoy. Now, I am very pleased, Carl, that I can now. I'm calling you a friend. We are now friends, but friends can sometimes have disagreements. And frankly, I have the same problem with you that I have with my wife, Vicky. Yes, you are both cheering for the wrong team. Now, Vicky's excuse was she was born in Montreal. Greenfield Park on the South Shore, but yeah. she has lived in Toronto longer than she was ever in Montreal. See, she still cheers for the wrong team, the Habs. Carl, what is your connection to the Montreal Canadiens? And and you talked a little about you wanted to be Ken Dryden, but why don't I let you tell us what fascinated you with the Habs and, and who are your favorite players? Yeah, first of all, and uh, the kids wouldn't know this. The, the young children today, even my kids, uh, they grew up with... Um, they have 190 channels on TV. Well, in those days, uh, in Sudbury, Ontario, we had two channels, French and English. <laughs> so, and we'd get a lot of the Habs game. And by the way, the kids on my street were all Francophones. Okay, so. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but it was so easy uh, to, to be a Habs fan. And by the way, I was also a fan of the Sudbury Wolves the okay. local team in the OHL. And I saw mm-hmm. a lot of, I even saw the great one play uh, Sault Ste. Marie against my Wolves. But uh, I fell in love with the Canadians because that was, uh, they were, the Montreal Canadiens was the only team that I saw uh, maybe four or five times a month. You know what I mean? And so it was easy to, uh, to be attracted to them. And then why Ken Dryden? Because when I played soccer here, we call it in Jamaica, it's football. I was a goalie. And so I knew that position. So I was uh, attracted and, 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 and uh, to Ken Dryden. He was like a magnet, you know, because I knew how to catch the ball. I knew how to block the ball, you know. And so it was, and the kids, that's the position I played when we played street hockey in Peter Street. You remember in those days when it was legal to play street hockey? Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> there were no fines. Yeah. And, 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 most of the neighbors didn't have cars, so we didn't have to worry about moving the nets over, you know? That's the famous call. They made a commercial about it. Car! And we all yeah. ran out of the way. Yeah. You had a kinship with him. And 
Carl, did you ever get the opportunity to meet Ken Dryden? And, and oh, tell many, him? many times, many, yeah. many times. And uh, because of my connection to the Canadians and uh, I met him there and I, I wrote my book with Scott Colby of the Toronto mm-hmm. Star. And, and Scott, by the way, is from Thunder Bay. And okay. we both worked at A&P in Thunder Bay. Oh, my goodness. And I, I was a counselor at the basketball clinic that Scott attended. But anyway, mm-hmm. Scott working at the Toronto Star, uh, he knows that I, uh, Ken Dryden is my idol. He's my role model. So I remember one summer, Ken Dryden was doing a piece around, you might remember this, around Canada Day. It was mm-hmm. the lead up to Canada Day. And he was in their office writing. And so he invited me down. And wow, I met him. Uh, our school board, uh, before amalgamation, the City of York Board of Education, your mom would know that, uh, they invited Ken to speak at our family conference. Okay. And I met him there. Mm. And I remember what he wrote in his book. I, had, I brought his book. I bought his book. I brought his book. I bought many of his books. He wrote, Carl, thanks for being a fan. Wow. Wow. I, I just remember that. Uh, Carl, thanks for being a fan. I think it's uh, rare. We often hear stories about sometimes it's actually been said you're better off not meeting your idols because you might be disappointed. But it sounds like for you, that was a positive chance to meet Ken Dryden. Well, you know, I think every young hockey player in Canada uh, would like to meet their, their hero, you know. And, and, and so I met mine. Mind you, I wasn't young at the time. I was probably in my, my, in my mid-20s, a little bit younger. Your idols can be any age. But Carl, yeah. I have, you have a very a unique experience. I can't even imagine how you felt being a father myself. The day that PK got drafted and the day that PK actually put on the Montreal Canadian sweater, can you even put into words what that meant to you? Well, I'm going to tell you the lead up to the Canadians drafting PK. They came to our house. Uh, I remember we didn't know they were coming. They, they had called PK. Uh, and, and so I was driving my wife back from a doctor's appointment. We're under 401. Uh, we almost had this big accident. You still, you probably be talking when he told me that the Montreal Canadians are coming to our house, our home. I said, no, you're lying. And then this is PK. Guess daddy is coming. Guess who's coming. Who's coming to dinner? No, daddy, not the movie. Who's coming to that? Guess who's coming. And then he told me the Montreal Canadians. I almost like drove off the road. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, so we went to the draft. Uh, there were rumors that a number of teams were going to take PK, maybe in the first round. And I remember the Saturday morning, um, I, like I died and went to heaven mm-hmm. when the Montreal Canadiens selected uh, uh, PK Subban. Uh, it's been, I love the Canadians uh, because they were my childhood team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drafted my son, gave him an opportunity to fulfill and live his dream. And I say, you know what? They made him who he is today. And um, I, I'm so thankful of it. What I, I couldn't be better. Yeah, my favorite so, team. Your son being drafted by your favorite team. It's unbelievable. It's, you can't even, uh, you'd be making it up except you live yeah. it. Yeah. Now you, let's talk a little about your book. I'm wondering if it was after the thousandth time or the millionth time that someone asked you, how did you do it, that you decided to write a book in 2017 with Scott Colby. It was called How We Did It, The Subban yeah. Plan. Tell us about the experience of writing the book and the reaction to it. 
Well, first of all, um, let's lead up to why I wrote the book. Uh, being PK's dad, Malcolm's Jordan, and my two daughters, but the girls don't get a lot of attention, and they should because they taught those boys how to skate. Even PK, his first pair of skates were his sisters, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is good. Yeah, yeah, but, um, you know, um, but everywhere I would travel, people would ask me, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you... How did you manage to, to raise you and Maria, three boys and uh, uh, who were drafted and signed by an HL team? And, and it was very, I mean, I don't know who has a blueprint. Maybe the Sutters do, uh, you know, uh, but I certainly don't have a blueprint. Um, and, and, and I, I, you know, I wrote the book uh, to, to, to really talk about something or to have a discussion around a topic that is so important, uh, which is potential. But, you know, a funny story about this, because I met this dad in a hockey arena one time. And, uh, I, you know, I, I met him through another person I, I, uh, who introduced me to him. A friend I know introduced me to this gentleman. And after meeting, I'm walking to my seat. I remember it was with my uh, youngest son draft year. So I'm nervous. The scouts are there at Herb Carnegie Arena. I've got my popcorn, coffee. Best popcorn, by the way, at Herb <laughs> Carnegie Arena. You can smell it miles away or kilometers away. You can smell it. Anyway, I'm on my way to my seat. This gentleman tapped me on my shoulder, Andrew, and I say, he said, Mr. Subban, I'd like to ask you a question. I'd like, or I'd, like you, I'd like you to do me a favor. I said, geez, what does this guy want now? I just want to go focus on Jordan. The scouts are here. I'm nervous. Anyway, he whispered. He, didn't, he, he wasn't very loud with it. He whispered in my ear. He goes, Mr. Subban, I'll pay you to make a baby with my wife. And, and so I think he was joking uh, <laughs> because I, I, I didn't know what to say. Um, but I, I didn't have the book at the time. But I, I tell this story because I want him to read the book. Yes. I want him to read the book because Maria would have, would have done something to him. And I think the five kids and now the grandkids. Can you imagine the grandkids getting a hold of this guy? You know? I think it was but a anyway. much better decision to write the book, Carl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so that's one of the stories I like to tell. But uh, it, it's really about potential and, and, we're, and telling my story through my eyes. Yes. Um, and, 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 and sharing some of the life lessons. And, and um, you know, and I hope people, when they read it, uh, they'll take something from it because you know what, as parents, you know, we don't have any training and there's no 1-800 number to call, you know, you know, when you, when you get stuck, you know, so whatever I can do, whatever I can say, whatever I can write that can help parents, uh, to help their young people, uh, to fulfill their potential. I'm all for it. And, and so that's what the big goal was. Well, let's build on that. All hockey dads and hockey moms are, are amazing with their dedication to early mornings and travel. But to the Canadian public, two hockey dads come to mind in particular. One is you, Carl Subban, known as the ultimate hockey dad. <laughs> and the other is the late Walter Gretzky, who was known as Canada's hockey dad. I wonder if you ever had a chance to commiserate with Walter Gretzky. What, what was your experience with him if you did meet him? Yeah, I've, I've met Walter a number of times. And one of the, the first time I have a picture with Walter and PK, we were in a tournament out in the Kitchener Waterloo area. And, uh, and Walter was handing out the player of the game award. 
And so I met, and, and I referred to him as the ultimate hockey dad. He is Canada's hockey dad. He is uh, the ultimate hockey dad. And, um, and so I met him, and PK met him, and we have this photo that uh, it's more than the picture on the page, and it's, it's worth more than a thousand words, as they say. I, I met the ultimate hockey dad, and I also met the great one. <laughs> you hit all the notes. <laughs> yeah. Now, the club of dads with multiple sons in the NHL is very small. You've already mentioned the Sutters. They should get special mention. Six, all six Sutter brothers made the NHL, and then a further three of their sons. So there's there's nine Sutters in the NHL total. And, yes. of course, the four Stahl brothers. And their parents were apparently uh, Dutch-Canadian sod farmers. Yep, so up, in Thunder Bay. up in oh, Thunder Bay. More of this Northern Ontario connection. Yeah. When you talk about threes, though, we got Peter Anton and Marion Stasny. They were, of yes. course, big stars. Maybe a little lesser known are the Broughton brothers, Neil, Aaron, and Paul. But, Carl, I wonder in the family, what was the vibe when the boys would play against each other? And I'm going to bring up one game in particular. This was the first time Malcolm played a regular season game against his brother, PK, December 8, 2017. Uh, Malcolm made, it was then a career-high 41 saves, and he led his Vegas Knights to beat PK's Nashville Predators 4-3. to How do you and your wife handle watching a game like that with both two boys, <laughs> opposite sides? What do you do? You know, first you, you pinch your, yourself. Because you can't believe that it's happening, number one. You just, you just can't believe it's happening. And then, but, you know, we react to those games. And they played, PK and Malcolm played against each other when PK was in Montreal and Malcolm was in Boston a couple of times. Um, but I remember the, the Vegas game. But uh, we react, uh, we don't react to those games the same way as we do when they were playing in the hallway at home, okay? All yeah. right, because PK would do anything to win. Yeah. And Malcolm would be net and Jordan and and and, and so we, we had some battles there, okay? And and a few times Maria we, we had to be referees. But um, you know, we pinch ourselves and 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 we don't take anything for granted. And I look at this picture I'm looking at now. There I, I am in Vegas on the ice with uh, I'm the center. Malcolm with his goal equipment on with the Vegas Knights and PK when he was um, with Nashville. And there I am on the ice. And it's one of those moments, again, where you, you pinch your, yourself and you can't really believe that it's happening or it has happened. And that's why, Andrew, you know, we, uh, that's why we use our story, which is, in our eyes, is, is, is a success story. Uh, and, and we don't refuse an opportunity to use it to help others to be successful. And I want people to know that. Um, that's how I define success, is when you use your success to help others to be successful. I can't think uh, uh, of a better other way to, to, to talk about uh, of, of being successful. Yeah, that's what being successful is. Well, your, wow. Carl, your <clears throat> mantra is dreaming big won't help you if you don't have the values, dedication, and hard work to back it up. Your greatest gift is your potential. You've talked about it a little. Do you want to talk a little more? Because you're, you're clearly 
uh, your message is you've got to unlock the potential of our young people. Yeah. You know, it's so important that young people, like we don't, I know in schools, I, I'm not in every school, but when I was in schools in the, in the public system, now I'm in a private, we don't sit with kids and talk to them as much as we should about their potential. You know, um, sometimes maybe they go into the principal office. Oh, you know, he's not achieving to his potential. Well, I like to say to young people that you came into this world with it. You were born with it. You were born with potential. You know, it gives you the capacity to develop into something in the future. And everyone was born with it. No one missed out on it. And when you are fulfilling it, when you're achieving it, when you're reaching it, it becomes your gift to the world. Because, you know, we have to be a gift to the world. And I can't think of a better way than you fulfilling, a young person fulfilling his or her potential. You know, it gives them the ability to do more, to become more, uh, and, and to be more. You know, when they believe in it, they can do more than they think they can. Yeah. And others, and if you believe that he or she can't do more, they can because of their potential. And so it's really important that young people hear this message. They were born with it and they go to school to develop it and teacher, educator, it's your job to help young people to strengthen their belief in their potential. And also it's the job as a parent too. Um, and, and it's also the job as a coach. You know, the coach's job is not just to, is, is to coach the kids to win. It's really, it's to help them to, to reach their potential. And not only as athletes, but as, as young people. And, 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 and we know that when young people are on that path where they're, you know, where they're achieving to their potential, they're happier and they're mm-hmm. more productive. You know, even at 63, you know, I, I still have dreams. And by the way, potential, and I, I, if, if you hear me out here, I, 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 look, I compare it to a three-legged stool. Okay. Think of a, a stool with three legs. In the seat of it, I want all the audience, everyone listening, in the seat of it, you know, the, the seat of the stool, write mm-hmm. the word potential. And, and, and beside one leg, write the word dream. Beside the second leg, write the word belief. And the third leg, write the word action. And I always say, you know, when I meet young people, and they're a bit lost. I always, I go automatic. I go directly to their stool because everyone has one. You have one, Andrew. I have yeah. one. And when too many legs of your stool is missing, Andrew or Carl Subban, you know what? It 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 um it affects how you perform in life and school because the the stool does not work to its potential if legs are missing. So we want young people to have a dream. I had dreams. Like I've had dream. I had, as a kid, I had a dream in Jamaica. When I came to Canada, I've had many. Now my dream or big goal is to, to be an inspirational speaker, to, to be an author. And, and then, but you need to believe, believe in, your, in your capabilities because as you chase your dreams and goals, you know, you, you're going to experience some, some challenges, some setbacks. Like I, I share this one. I remember someone said to PK, PK, you'll never make it in hockey. You'll never go as far as I did. 
And I tell that story to young people uh, because it's important that they know as you chase your dreams and goals, um, pe- people will throw things in your way. And you have to find a way to work through those things. All right? And, 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 and so the best way to do that is, is to believe in your capabilities, in your abilities. You might not be able to do something today, but you, you can do it tomorrow. It's having that, I call it that growth mindset. Yes. All right? And then the third leg is the action leg. Is the action leg. You know, your, your dream uh, is nothing if, if you don't make it actionable. And I give young people uh, a set of things that they need to do to, to fulfill that dream. But the word potential, it's important to me. I, I, whenever I meet a young person, uh, five, five minutes, 10 minutes, 10 hours, I'll tell you what, that's one topic we always touch on, yes. is or her potential. And, 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 and I ask them, who you want to be? What do you want to do? And that changes over your lifetime, by the way, you know, sure. anyway, that's it, well, no, that's fantastic. I mean, your passion is so apparent. And, I, and, and Carl, just to build on the story, you, you mentioned the story. PK was once told you're never going to make it. You're not going to amount to anything. You told not only PK, but all three of your boys involved in hockey, that there's three senses you need to understand <laughs> to make it in hockey, hockey sense, common sense, and nonsense. That's tell, us, <laughs> tell me about that. You did your research. Listen, yeah. Um, in hockey, you know, as I, you know, I remember what Maria told me one time. I'm going to go back. She said, Carl, remember this. The kids will need Carl the dad a lot more than they need Carl the hockey dad. And thank you, Maria, for that. And, you know, there are things that you try to, you have to process things in, li- in our lives so that they don't become a distraction. And so one way of framing things is, 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 is in the way you just mentioned. Uh, whatever is happening to me or PK, um, can, I chalk, can I use common sense to deal with it? Or is it just plain old nonsense, you know? And then and, and, and the hockey sense is, you know what? To play the game, you might have all the skills, but you, 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 you must have that hockey sense. And as a parent you must also have parental sense. That's what I mean, you know, because it's this big hockey game and you played a lot better uh, when all those senses are, 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 are um, you know, you're using them uh, because it's, it's hard if, if you're making nonsense out of everything. If yeah. everything is happening to you, a lot of it is nonsense and it's a distraction. It was really, I use it to frame, uh, you know, frame the things that were happening to me and, and and that's one of the strategies that I use to navigate the hockey world. <laughs> yeah, you had to stay on track. And there's so there are so many. There must have been so much stuff coming in from different sides. Oh, I even time. wonder at your own house. I have to ask you about. You must have a crazy TV satellite package. How do you keep up to date with your three hockey playing boys, especially if they're playing on the same night? How do you? Uh, what do you watch? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been. I've had, uh, like I said, I've had some great hockey moments from. From meeting Walter, the great one, uh, sitting and watching a hockey game with Jean Beliveau. Um, but, um, you know, another, some great times I've had too, uh, watching my kids play on a Friday night and PK's playing, Malcolm's playing, Jordan is playing. And uh, thank God for technology today. You know, um, up in Nobleton, I'd, 
would have I would have one game on the TV. Uh, the in the kitchen was close by, and we made sure that TV was on this rotating disc. So there was a game on there. There's one on my iPad or, or my phone. So so uh, Maria and I were we were able to be in three places at the same time. Technology <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, thank God for that. And so hey, listen, and you know what? PK is is getting a little bit older now too, and they all want to know that mom and dad are watching. It never, it never. Yeah, yeah. From minor hockey, yeah, to the pros, the kids want to know. But the only difference is today is they don't get the same feedback after their games. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have millions of people giving them feedback, and their and their bosses. Okay, (laughs) they don't need mom and dad. uh, They get lots of feedback. feedback. But yeah. as you know, the best still comes from mom and dad. Yeah, I we think, love uh, you. We love you. No matter what. <laughs> no matter how many goals that went in the net or whatever. Mom and dad, uh, we love you unconditionally. Well, well said. I want to take this opportunity. Uh, uh, I want to brag a little, if I may, Carl. I thought it would be very reasonable to compare the two skating Subban brothers. So I'm not going to use Malcolm because he's a goalie. I'm going to compare the two skating Subban brothers with the two Apple bomb brothers, myself and my, <laughs> my little brother, Lawrence. So only now this is only counting games in the pleasant view house league. I have to tell you, Carl, that my brother Lawrence and I scored more goals than PK and Jordan. <laughs> now I'll admit of the 783 career pleasant view house league goals that we scored. I only scored two and my brother scored <laughs> 781, but nonetheless, the apple bomb boys have it on the Sioux band boys when it comes to pleasant view house league hockey. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I know I've stunned you. You have no comeback to yeah, that. Yeah, well, you know what? I was, I was thinking about Pleasant View because that's up in the Scott. We've played, uh, I've been in that arena uh, a number of times. But you know what? Remember, Malcolm only started playing goal at a peewee age. Yeah. And Malcolm scored a lot of goals. So I think oh. that um, I'm going to have to check check those game sheets. And, and I'm also going to include the games in the hallway in our in our home because pk would say do you scored a thousand duly noted okay. carl I, I i'm gonna get back to you with those updated stats okay um, i have a very good friend uh risto pakarainen is a he's a very well respected european hockey journalist and when he heard you were coming on he wanted to ask me your views you're very well positioned to talk about this the development path the u.s college system versus the ohl versus playing as a European professional as a pathway to the NHL. Do you have any comments on the current status of the best path? And is that path different when you factor in post-hockey career? You know, what I know now of the OHL, because I've been through it with my boys, is uh, you get your education and obviously you're getting your hockey training. And NCAA offers the same type of experience. Um, you know, and, and, and so what I'm going to say to you, it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 because we have kids who are late bloomers. We have kids who haven't grown physically and maybe the OHL is not the best place for them. So I, I think, uh, parents have a great opportunity here, uh, to choose. They're both 1A, 1A. Uh, David Branch might say something differently, <laughs> the head of the CHL, and I, I, but they're both very good leagues. Um, and and it's, it, it all depends on the, on the individual and the family. 
because um, some kids, uh, maybe they, hockey has changed a lot too. Size doesn't matter at much as much, but I think you have to look at the individual child, um, look at where they are maturity-wise, developmentally-wise when it comes to hockey too, and then make a decision. And sometimes it's also good to get a, a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I know the Tanev family. And, you know, uh, Chris Tanev played with PK, with the Junior Canadians. He and Steven Stankos, all three of them on the same team. <clears throat> and I don't think Chris followed the same path as PK did, mm-hmm. playing the OHL and, and going on to the AHL and, and not then to the NHL. And there is Chris, you know, I don't think he played minor midget. He might have played midget and then he got a scholarship NCAA. So I think that um, uh, what works for one uh, might not work for another person. So look at the individual, look at where they are developmentally and so on, not only as a hockey player, but as a person and education-wise. What I like about the NCAA, I believe it gives kids more time to develop. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it gives them a lot more time to develop and, and to mature. You know, One size yeah. doesn't fit all. That's clearly. One size does not fit all. Thank you for that. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Carl, it's time for family questions. Uh, whenever I mention who's coming on the podcast, I always get the best questions from my family. So I'm going to give you a few. <laughs> My daughter, Natalie, asks if you know about ringette. Of course. Tell, <laughs> tell Natalie. Uh, I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario. And I played ringette on uh, Ramsey Lake, Frozen okay. Lake. So it's a big sport in Sudbury. Uh, we played it in high school. I don't know if kids played today in high school. But I played it in high school. Played it in elementary school. And they have, uh, it's, it's, it's a big sport in Northern Ontario. So I know it, I've played it, and I love it. Well, excellent. And I, I want to give, if I may, I'm going to give a shout out to Natalie's Richmond Hill Lightning Ringette team, who, despite a really crappy coach, their <laughs> U16A team finished the season number seven in Ontario. All right, seven's my lucky number. That's not bad. Excellent. My nine-year-old nephew, Ben, who is better known as Benny Backcheck on his Victoria Village hockey team, the Dirt Dogs, he says, <laughs> I love, love, love hockey, but does Mr. Subban recommend that I take a break in the summer? Should I be practicing my skills or playing other sports in the summer? Most people will say that you're better off playing other sports as much as you can. Um, and, uh, because it, it just helps you to be all around and, 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 and just to develop mentally, it's better for you. I'm going to tell you what I did. I don't, uh, agree with summer hockey and spring hockey as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe in training. I'm more about training, uh, and less about playing, especially in the spring and summer. Um, because, and I'll tell you why I think kids need a break from playing and, and because it's, 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 uh, high, kids are highly stressed today and, and with competition comes stress and anxiety and we need, to, to, to give kids a break. And I think that we we're focusing so much on winning and performance and not on developing, I'm more developing 
And after a while, uh, my boys did mostly developmental stuff over the summer. Uh, PK worked at uh, Pass Hockey School. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he graduated into being uh, uh, someone who would demonstrate the drills. And, um, and so um, I'm not 100% for kids playing summer hockey, uh, but I don't have a problem with them uh, training and, and, and doing those skilled stuff that will help them along. And yeah. shinny, shinny. Yeah. I can play. I, I, kids should be playing shinny. Yeah. Uh, 24-7. That's what my boys did in the winter, by the way. Yeah. Shinny, shinny. Shinny at Sunnily in Etobicoke. Excellent. I'm going to give you a little, a little different uh, twist here. My sister-in-law, Jen, asks, where does Mr. Subban like to go in Toronto for Jamaican food? Where's the best Jamaican food, Carl? Wow. Wow. So, so I want to tell her, first of all, our kitchen. <laughs> okay, well, but, well, but... Just tell but, us what time. We'll be there. Okay, all right. And then in the summertime, just the uh, barbecue, the jerk chicken, but... Um, Mr. Jerk, um, in, in, uh, in Malton, Mr. Jerk. Oh, I, that's where I get my jerk pork and jerk chicken. I'm going to tell you that. Okay. Well, that is- um, Mr., uh, in Malton right there at, uh, Derry Road and, um, and Gore and Goreway right yep. there, uh, right there. They have that. Um, and, and there are many, by the way, uh, when I want my, uh, curry goat. Okay. Uh, I go to Jamaica House and Western Road and Finch area. Uh, Western Road and Finch. Uh, the Jamaica House. Oh, best curry goat. Um, you know, and, and there are other places I go to for different things too. So, so uh, I mean, I like my porridge. Every now and then I'll stop in at a Jamaican restaurant and get my porridge. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of places. Oh, the curry chicken is so good with, with the white rice. So, so but, but those are the main two places. But there are many, many good places. So let's try them out. Hey, and tell you and tell them that PK's dad sent you. <laughs> she so give will me a for little sure. bit more portion. She will for sure. Now, my aforementioned brother Lawrence asked this: with the notoriety of the Jamaican bobsled team, he guesses that someone must have asked you in the past about putting together a Jamaican ice hockey team for the Olympics. Yeah, you know what? There, there is a, a Jamaican Hockey Federation that 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 has started. Um, you know, I'm not involved in it, but I have been around it. I, I know what's stopping Jamaica now from becoming an official member. Uh, you know, uh, is the fact that they don't have a rink. Mm. We we need to build a rink in Jamaica, and then, uh, but uh, but I think that uh, it'll probably be. Uh, in the near future, hmm. uh, you're gonna you will see uh, um, Jamaica playing in in the Olympics in the Winter Olympics because you know I have my three boys and there are many 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 other uh, boys and and girls who are playing hockey uh, from from Jamaican families. So so uh, yeah, where Jamaicans are our participation in the sport of hockey is growing. Fantastic. Now, you said that your uh, heritage sport after cricket, but when you first came to Canada, was basketball. You talked about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What other NBA players did you kind of watch and emulate in, in your youth when you were playing basketball? You know, when we played, 
basketball is similar to hockey. You know, when you're playing street hockey, kids will say, I'm Dave Keon or I'm Mac David or I'm Gretzky. And, and so when we played pickup basketball, it was the, it was the, it was the same way. You know, we would shoot like maybe Eddie Westfall or Bob McAdoo, you know, um, uh, you know, Lloyd Free was one of my favorite players. I loved um, McGinnis. Uh, is it George McGinnis? Because he had the jump hook. And when I played basketball, I didn't have Karuma, Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, hook. I had the, the, the jump hook. Uh, and I was like, I'm 6'3". Uh, and I was able to get it off. And guys, uh, seven feet tall, you know, is a, is a great shot. So... So, um, yeah, there, those are some of the players um, um, that I uh, pretended to be, pretended to be. <laughs> hey, we all have to have goals, just like you say. Yeah. Now, with, with your boys' teams not in the playoffs this season and your boys not playing, I guess you can take a more independent approach. When I ask you about this year's Stanley Cup, is this the year, 55 years we've been waiting, is this the year for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Or is it going to be three in a row for Tampa Bay? Or do you have another team that you see taking it this season? Well, because of the salary cap, I think it's it's wide open. Obviously, the Leafs are going to be in contention. And Tampa Bay, they've won. Uh, and um, I know the Stankos family. So Chris and I, uh, Steven's dad, we taught during the playoffs. and uh, But, you know, Tampa Bay is going to be right there. The Leafs are going to be right there. Um, you know, we just want to see some uh, some more Canadian teams right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't wait to watch because we're going to be watching hockey this spring uh, with every seat uh, filled, you know, um, with a fan in each seat, uh, yelling and screaming, standing up, sitting down, doing the wave. I, I just can't wait to hear uh, those sounds and, and, and those sounds at the hockey game and uh, it, it, you know, who knows who will win? And I'd love for the Leafs uh, to win. Um, you know they're overdue. Um, That's for sure. You know, and 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 but I know they're going to give it their best shot, and and I'm going to follow them as long uh, as they're playing, and okay. as long as they're in it, and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> go Leafs, go! You and me, go Leafs, go! Carl, I'd love to hear about two of your favorite Toronto things to do or places to go. One can be more well-known. You know, everyone says go to the Toronto Islands, go to the CN Tower. But the second of your favorite Toronto things I'd like would be more of a hidden gem. Tell us about two things you like to do in Toronto. Well, when I, when the kids with the children, it was going to hockey arenas. Okay. (laughs) And, and so that was really, uh, because that has, that those experiences have really shaped my life. But the one that stands out is the night skating at Nathan Phillips square. And I say night skating because someone wrote a book, a story about that. The five minute hockey stories, I'm giving them a plug. That's the first story about my visit there to Nathan Phillips square and, and and so, but you know, one of the, the thing that I uh, that one place that I love um, is Centennial Park in Etobicoke. Okay. Um, I mean, peak. My boys skated at the arena there, but uh, I walk the trails there, and I also walk the hills. And PK ran the hills there, and there's a hill there that I call it PK's Hill. 
And I'm going to tell you a story. Right beside the hill I call PK's Hill, um, there's, uh, over the years, it must be about, it was about 15 years. It was about, it's been about 15 years. I saw this gentleman walking the hill. And I never met him, and he would have a back a backpack on. Sometimes he would have a shirt. Sometimes he wouldn't have a shirt. But he would have boots on, and he'd be walking that hill. And guess what? I think it was last summer. I was there walking that hill, and there he was. Mm-hmm. There he was. There he was. And he was with his wife. I found it was his wife later. Okay. And I said to her, this this gentleman, and she told me that's her husband. I said, he's been walking this hill, I think maybe about 20 years. And then she told me his name. And his name was Albert. So that's the name of that hill, Albert's <laughs> Hill. So I go to Nathan, I, I go to Centennial Park. So there's the skating memories. And I've been there with school kids for the cross country. I've been there for the track and field. Uh, first, because I worked in a school, but I walk, I, I walk the hills there, and and there's a, a memories with PK and Malcolm and Jordan, and then I also uh, play cricket there, ah, you know. Fabulous. So um, to me, it's a gem. It's a gem because it is. Uh, it's been a gem to me. That's excellent. That's a great selection, Carl. Now, as we get close to wrapping up here, I just want to ask, what are your plans for the remainder of 2022 and beyond? What is Carl Subban working on? Well, you know, I have uh, my second book's coming out. Uh, it will be published in September. And, um, you know, I'm writing uh, more books. And I'm working every day to be a better inspirational speaker. Because, you know, that's what leaders do. They inspire. And I love inspiring, inspiring young people to do more, to be more, to become more. And I love to inspire parents and educators too, and coaches, because they need inspiration too. So all the coaches out there, all the parents out there, all the educators out there, and all the fans of this show out there, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Carl, thank you. You've been not only an inspiration, you've been very generous with your time. Where can we best follow you and know what you're up to? <laughs> uh, just visit, just uh, walk into Everest Academy. <laughs> okay, you got it. We yeah. will. You, I, I um, you know, I, I'm not too, uh, I haven't done a whole lot online, but uh, uh, every now and then I'll send something out. But if, if you can, as you can see, I, I haven't sent a whole lot. I know Instagram or school has an Instagram account. Okay. So you'll see me on there. So go on to Everest Academy Instagram account. Um, you know, uh, you can see some of my speeches, some of my inspirational speeches, and you can follow me there. That's a good place to follow Carl Subban and the work that he and the staff at Everest Academy are doing day in and do, day in and day out Excellent. for the future. For and the future. Look, and we will look forward to your book in September. Thank you. Thanks again for your time. And to the listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Mr. Carl Subban, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. 
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.